Welcome to Life Church. I'm so glad that you joined with us. We really pray that this message today will make a difference in your world. John chapter 10, verse 10. We're going to get straight into this this evening. It says this verse that is familiar, I'm sure, to many of you if you've been in church for any time. If you're new to church, if this is your first ever time tonight, you're going to, you're going to love it. And if you don't, just say you went somewhere else. But you will. John chapter 10, verse 10, one verse. It says, the thief comes only. That's quite a line. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Okay, that's, that's a bit of a depressing start. But I have come, Jesus says, that they might have life. Everybody say life. Let's say it now like we have life. 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 Rock Nation's youth ministry, shout life. Thrive, shout life. Worship team, shout life. Life group, shout life. If you've done growth track, shout life. If you haven't done growth track, shout life. Oh. Now we've got audio equipment in the room. We worked out exactly where you are. We're going to pick you up tonight and sign you up for next week. Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. I hope you know when Jesus says you might have life, fullness means fullness. It doesn't mean part, it means full, which is why you should enjoy in my opinion, you should enjoy your work because your work is part of your life. You should be able to enjoy your family, enjoy your home, enjoy your church, enjoy your hobbies, enjoy your experience. There's an aspect of toughness within life, including in the fullness of it. But I also believe there should be aspects of enjoyment and life to the full. Yes, there is a thief who is looking to steal that life and ultimately kill that life. But there is also a savior looking to give life to you and looking to bless life. And so we honor and we serve and we love the Jesus that we've been speaking about. Why? Because he is the giver. He is the creator. He is the bringer of life. And life is your most precious gift. It is the most precious gift that you have. I hope you value human life. Hope you value your human life, but I hope you value every other person's human life on planet Earth. As we've been hearing about these tragedies, terrorist attacks, and, and the Grenfell Tower disaster, and they're just a few, if I'm honest, which have gone on around the world on a daily basis. And yet so often we disregard life for being quite cheap. Like we're not sure how many people have died. It, it's some figure still trying to work it out. I'm like, these are human lives. This is human existence. It's like it's, it's just another attack. It's another death. But we value the life that God has given us. But the question tonight, which is important for all of us, and we could spend the whole time talking about this, is how competitive are you when it comes to life? How competitive are you? How many of you just don't like Losing. Just put your hand up. You just don't like losing. How many of you have ever been Bradford and you're up next to someone at the traffic lights and it's red and and you'll be in your little polo and Ruth Smith will be I'm not losing to you and then it goes to the green and you stall it you know because you want to win. If you play Monopoly, don't be cheating when it comes to Monopoly. Although I think cheating is part of Monopoly. I think it's like it's all part and parcel of the game. Okay. Scrabble. 
You know, you can't cheat when it comes to those games. You know, and, and, and I, I'm quite a competitive person, but only, like I've said before, about things that matter. I'm not competitive. You know, if, I, if we had a race now in this room, which we're not going to have, by the way, don't start going, do it, do it, do it, okay? <laughs> the push, the pump factor in church life. We haven't got time. We've got 24 minutes. And, but if we had a race now from here, all the way around, I would, if I was racing against Moses, Duanus, he wouldn't win. But I would not be bothered. I would not be bothered about not winning. Oh, are you coming forward, Moses? Are you, are you wanting this? Are you wanting this? No, we're afterwards, we're running out of time. We have to stick to the clock. Look, it's going down and down and down. But I am competitive about things that matter. When I was younger, I would want to win the football matches. I would want to win the athletics race. And I would do whatever it takes to win because I'm competitive. But to be competitive, there needs to be a competition. There needs to be a contest, a contest between you and something else. And so you develop that competitive edge when you are you know, going against someone or going against something. You might be going against the personal best. If you're a photographer, you can still be competitive and go, I've taken this photo, but I want to take a better photo. And so many of us are used to contests and we are used to that competitive nature. And sometimes you have to do what it takes to win and bar cheating, okay? And I was, when I was younger, I would do whatever it takes to win. But then there are things, other things that happen in our life, other contests, personal contests, such as desires, that sort of come into my world, temptations that enter my world, fleshly sort of desires, the things that I want or things that I desire, and, and that is something I want to grab hold of. And from one moment, I've been super competitive when it comes to sport or when it comes to a game because I want to win that contest. But then often when it comes to those personal desires, I can easily lose competitive edge quite quickly. And I sometimes ask myself, how can I go from fighting the battle over here going, I want to win, and then over here, the contest and the competition kicks in with desires and temptations and wants, and I give in to those desires. I give in to those needs. And in John chapter 10, we're finding a context between the thief who is stealing and killing and destroying versus Jesus who wants to give you life. But you need to know there is no real contest between Jesus and the devil. It is not going to be on pay-per-view because we already know the result. You know, it's not really going to be a box hit. Why? Because we know Jesus has already defeated the devil. He defeated him on a cross and he also overcome him through rising through from the grave. And so Jesus has done it. He is still doing it and he will do it again. He is the victor of the contest. But what I want to speak about in the remaining time with us tonight in this 5 p.m. service is the lifelong contest that I have and you have between myself and this thief who can be regarded as the devil, who is still stealing and killing and destroying. This lifelong contest between me and, you know, let's put a person on it, him. Now, I, I've rarely, if I ever, spoken about the devil. 
And if you're new tonight and this is your first time visiting or just trying to figure out if this is the kind of church you want to be in, you need to know this isn't a regular subject for us. Okay, You've come on a random Sunday. If they go home and they say, you know, what did they speak about? Well, he spoke about the devil. You know, how many people are going to want to come back? But I'm going somewhere with this. But the reason I want to speak about this contest is because... You know, we often say, you know, we shouldn't give the devil the time of day. And so let's not even mention him. Let's not talk about him, you know, because he's, you know, he's over there and we need to talk about Jesus and what Jesus has done. And that is 100% true. And so we make a decision. Let's not give the devil the time of day. But just pause for a moment, because if I asked you how many of you in here are still having time out of your day stolen by the devil, you begin to realize that maybe this is someone we need to talk about. Because if someone kept breaking into your house, how many of you know you'd have a conversation about that thief? If someone kept robbing your business, how many of you know you'd have a conversation about who's robbing your business? If someone kept bullying your family, how many of you know you'd have a conversation about who was bullying your family? And so if there is an enemy robbing stuff out of your day, we need to speak about this thief and tell him his place. Because many of us are being lured daily into an unhealthy, toxic place of sin. Sin is toxic, okay? A place of slavery and a place of sickness in our soul. And you might be here today and you might be on sky, you might be on you know, like cloud nine, you might be doing really good in your soul and, and in your mind and in your life and in your walk with God. And, and then others of you might be really struggling. But if you are struggling or if you are soaring, the truth is tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> and things happen very quickly in our life. And so let's talk about this issue of sin for a moment because it's something all of us have to deal with in this contest of life and death that we deal with. In James chapter 1, verse 12, I love what it says. I don't love what it says, but I like how it helps us understand this. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. You need to know that. God is not tempting you. God doesn't tempt you and say, oh, have you ever tried this? God does not tempt you to do that. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown gives birth to death. So many of the desires that come into our world, which are not from God, but they are fleshly desires, often originated from this thief We have to understand what those desires do to our life if we allow them to conceive. Because if it conceives, it gives birth to sin. And there is only one road that sin leads to, and it is a place of death. And yet Jesus, who we serve and worship, is the giver and the proclaimer of life. And so today, if you feel pulled today away often in desires, lured away in certain ways of thinking. I'm speaking to you today because the devil is taking too much time out of your day. He's taking too much, he's having too much influence in your marriage. He's having too much involvement and control in your mindset. He's having too much influence over your anxiety and your fears and your depression. He's causing you to waste so much of your talent and your potential and your time in poor conversations or daft relationships. The enemy has that influence. And so if you are being pulled away today, I'm speaking to you and me. Why? Because our future deserves it. 
Your future deserves it. We can, we can put our fingers in our ears and go, ba 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 and hope, you know, the enemy is just going to go away, hoping everything will turn out fine. Or we can get into the Word of God and realize every single one of us has a battle on our hands. You are in a battle. I know you might live in a leafy suburb in a four-bed detached house, but you are still in a battle. Where the battles are not just for people, you know, who are really struggling. And, you know, no, all of us, no matter how successful we might appear to be, we are all in a daily battle. And so therefore, if we are in a contest against this thief who is the enemy, let's just call him who he is, the devil. If we are in a contest against that, we need to identify our competition before we defeat the competition. If we were, you know, if we were in a, a football match and we had a game next Saturday and I was in a team and we know the team we were playing, what we would do, we would study previous performances and previous videos, identify their tactics so that when we come against them, we can stand up against those tactics and work our way around it. And so we need to identify who this enemy is and look at the tactics because you need to know the, te- the te- tactics of the devil are dirty. He is wrong from start to finish. And we're not glorifying him today. We're not saying how awesome he is today. There is nothing incredibly beautiful about the devil. He, 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 he is the ultimate extreme of that. Looking to steal and kill and destroy. But we do need to spend a bit of time identifying how he works. Because if that is you tonight, if you're like, I think he's speaking to me. Uh, there's some stuff in my life. We are all together in this. You are not alone. And one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is trying to make you think you're the only one. Thinking that, doing that, going there, wondering about this. And and that's what the enemy will often do to a teenager. How do I know that? Why? Because I've been a teenager. Okay. And man, man alive, I must be the only man on planet earth, the only teenager who's who's even having those thoughts. And you need to know, no, they are common to mankind. But just because they are common to mankind, we don't just give in to that and think, well, if that's just the way it is, case or ours or are, whatever will be, will be. No, we make a decision. We have a daily battle every single day for every person in here, for our thoughts to take our thoughts captive, for the issues that we face, for the temptations, for the anxiety, for anyone in this room, whatever you feel, there is a battle on our hands and we all deal with it. So we might as well all fight And learn how to fight it together. Paul the Apostle, who's one of the greatest men to ever live. He had his past. (laughs) Then he had his present. And even in his present, he had some tough times like many of us do. But one of the greatest examples of how to follow Christ in the Word of God. And look what he tells us in Romans chapter 7 in the message version. Paul puts it like this. I'm full of myself. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another way. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. If I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously, hand up, need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. 
My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question tonight? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to, how many of you identify with this? Serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Amazing passage of scripture. Paul's saying, I have this desire to serve God with my whole heart, but I feel pulled by this desire to do something different. This battle is daily. It is tough. It is hostile. It is aggressive. It is complex. But how many of you are grateful in here tonight? The answer is Jesus. We don't enter this battle without Jesus, you know, but we enter into the battle with him by our side. Paul is saying, you know what to do and you don't do it and you know not what to do and you do it anyway. I sing about Jesus. I pray to Jesus. I amen Jesus. I do daily devotionals. I know what to do. And then when something comes along, I end up doing what I decided not to do. And what I don't want to do, I end up doing it. And what I should do, I don't end up doing it because I still end up getting pulled to what is wrong. You can be in church one moment and you can be like an angel worshipping Jesus and half an hour later you can feel like a devil and you're just hopeful no one's, no one's like, you know, sees the thoughts that you have. Yeah, I remember being a teenager thinking, man, I hope my thoughts never make their way onto the OHP screen as it was then. I'd be so embarrassed if people knew what I've thought about today. If people knew those things and, and yet I've had my hands in the air. And how many of you have, I'm sure many of you have been worshipping and you've also had a thought as you've been worshipping. You've been amening and there's sin and all sorts of things going on inside your world. And I, you know, am I on my own here or does this resonate with some of us in the place? Paul, uh, Peter in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 talks about the devil and he says this, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He prowls around looking for, like a lion, looking for, to, for someone to devour. But the whole point of today from this morning tonight is to look the devil in the face, to look at that lion in the face and say, hey, let the devil know, not today. Let the devil know, not today. That is what we are speaking and communicating. You might be prowling, but not today. It doesn't start off as a lion prowling. The first time we see this devil is in the book of Genesis. And the Bible says that he comes as a serpent and has a conversation with Adam and Eve who have been told you can enjoy everything in the Garden of Eden. There's just one thing I ask you not to do. And the one thing that they are asked not to do, guess what? Like Paul says, is the one thing they want to do. You can eat from any tree. Just don't eat from this tree over here, the knowledge of good and evil. And they have this conversation with the devil who comes in the form of a serpent and he injects the venom of deception into Eve and as he is crafty self he says did God really say 
You must not eat from every tree in the garden. Did he, are you sure, Eve, he really said that? He doesn't come along like as this covert, you know, really evil operator. He just sows seeds of deception. He sows seeds of lies because the first intent interaction was of deception. And he has remained that ever since. The devil is a liar looking to steal. And what the enemy will do, he will do two things then and he still does two things now. He will entice you with a desire that is not from God. Eat from this tree. Why didn't he say from the other trees? They would have been fine. But he takes you to the one tree that he knows you can't have. He entices you with a desire that is not from God, number one. Second thing he then does, he persuades you that it's going to be okay if you do it. Everyone else is doing it. Other people are enjoying it. Just try it. You've not experienced it before. It's only a little piece of fruit. That's all it is. And so the devil will dangle the fruit saying, you need this. You've tried everything else, but you've not tried this. You need this. And then what he will do, he will cast doubt about the impact of the fruit. It's only a piece of fruit. It's only, a, it's, only a, it's only an image on a screen. It's only a thought. It's only a text. It's only a small tax evasion. It's only a little lie. It's just a normal attitude. It's what everyone watches. It's how everyone talks. It's what everyone is doing. It's what everyone is saying. He is persuading you following the enticement that he has given you. But the Bible says desire, once conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin leads to death. And so we have to identify the carrot at the source and, and prevent, being, prevent that being conceived into sin. And that is why when we see the fruit that is dangling in front of us, we say, hey, let the devil know not today. I know you want me to have this today, but level, devil, not today. Because we know and still experience the fallout from the participation of that fruit, which sin conceived with sin leads to death. As humanity, we still experience that now, but we stop it at source. Because Genesis 4 verse 7 says, sin is crouching at the door. Sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. You must take charge of it or it will take charge of you. And you have to win that battle in the mind. Tell the devil not, not today. Let the devil know not today. Because a bad thought, hear me right, hear me now. A bad thought becomes a dangerous thought when I decide not to fight it. All of us have bad thoughts. Let's just be honest. Yeah? And if you had a bad thought today? A bad thought. But those bad thoughts only become dangerous thoughts when you decide, I'm not going to fight that thought. I'm not going to take captive that thought. I'm just going to let that thought evolve and conceive and become sin. You have to fight back against the senses, the stuff that goes on in your mind, because you have decisions to make with what you see, what you hear, what you experience, and what you desire. We are battered daily with those senses and those decisions, which is why you have to be careful what you watch. You have to be careful what you log on to. You have to be careful the conversations you have. And that is why my mum, when I was a sweet teenage boy, and we were watching movies together as a family night, Friday night movie, and it was like, you know, a little bit, 
at, you know, 12 or 15 and, and they'd start climbing into bed and be like, oh, this is really awkward because like, sex is going to come, sex is going to come on the screen and I'm watching it with my mum and dad and that's not the kind of thing we want to watch together. We'll watch You've Been Framed, but we don't really want to watch this. So my mum would, you know, before the remote, would just go up to the video player and press stop <laughs> and then just, you know, fast forward it so we missed it. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, gutted, you know. <laughs> You know, we're watching Titanic. You know, I, I want to see the hand come down the steamy window. You know. <laughs> but what my mum was doing was doing what I would do to my kids now, which is still trying to protect their senses from stuff that they don't have the, op- the knowledge or the ability to navigate how to process that. And before you know it, it becomes an imagination. Now, I know you get exposed to a lot more than simply the Titanic, but I'm using it as an example. You have to fight back to what you see. Because many of the issues we face are not because we are overcome and overpowered, but because we give up the fight. We just go, you know what? Let's just, come on, let's go. Come on, let's, I haven't got any energy now. Let's just go for it. Let's just, let's just see. I'm just going to send it. I'm just going to, I'm just, you know, and we are so competitive about other things. So competitive about our business. So competitive about how we look and how big our muscles are. But yet on other things, it's like, oh, forget it. Forget fighting those things. But fight back. The Bible says in 1 John 4, he that is in you. That's why the words God says this, because he knows you're going to have some battles. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And you need to know, you need to know this about the devil. The devil isn't just trying to get you to do bad stuff. Poor English, I know. Bad stuff. Sin. The devil's main aim isn't just to try and get you, I don't know, you know, to, to, to commit adultery or to, you know, to do another sin that we find out in the word of God, to go to Asda and steal a chicken or, you know, to steal a car or to, you know, to, you know, hurt somebody over there. That's not really what the devil's main aim is trying to do. They might be consequences of some of his motives, but that's not ultimately what the devil is trying to do. Today's message isn't about stop sinning, life church. No, today's message is about stop allowing the devil to darken your world. To darken your world. Because you can still live in a dark world and not be sinning. And so this isn't all about sinning. I believe it is possible for you to go throughout a day, a week maybe, without sinning. I'm going to make a decision. I'm not going to sin today. I know people say it's impossible, but I think by the word of God, the righteousness of God, and me taking every thought captive, living in a right, holy place with him, and I can, I can go throughout a day without sinning, but yet I can still feel influenced by a dark world. I can still feel influenced by an enemy who's still trying to steal, still trying to kill and destroy. You see, it's not about what he is leading you to do, but who he is leading you from. We make it all about what the devil is trying to get me to do, what he's trying to get me to do. But actually, is what is he pulling you away from? Doing whatever it takes to lead you away from love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and the fruit of the Spirit that we lead about in Galatians 5. Because the devil know, it knows if I can pull you away from that fruit, then I'm going to lead you to another fruit that Galatians 5 talks about hatred and jealousy and discord. If I can get you to stop loving, then you're going to start hating. He is leading you away from someone. That person is Jesus. 
In Galatians 5, you read it, it talks about this battle between the flesh and the spirit that are consistently in conflict with each other. I have to make a decision to feed my spirit more than I feed my flesh. I'm going to feed my spirit more than I feed my flesh because then I can win the fight. And I feed the spirit, but yet I starve the flesh. And there is no doubt that in my life, the more time I spend in spiritual disciplines, the more I sense my spirit getting stronger. But the moment I sort of get slack on my spiritual disciplines, what are those disciplines? Reading the word, listening to the word, engaging in worship, engaging in prayer, meeting with other community of believers, engaging in the works of, uh, the, works of the kingdom of God. The more I become slack on those things, it's amazing how my flesh often begins to feel like it's winning. But note this. Just as you engage in those spiritual disciplines doesn't make the devil any weaker. It just makes my resistance to him greater. It's like sunscreen. The sun is still shining. <laughs> Won't change its level of heat. But the protection that you've just put on your body helps you protect yourself from the sun. And as the enemy tries to steal and kill, he will keep doing that. But as you feed your flesh, you become strong and resist him in James 4 submit yourselves then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you doesn't say ignore the devil it says resist the devil there's a big difference what does resist mean it simply means to stand in opposition to if you're going to try and break into my house I'm going to stop you from getting into my house I'm going to resist and stand in opposition to the darkness that the enemy is trying to bring into my world, which is why Ephesians 6 says, put on the full armor of God so that you might be able to stand in opposition to those devil's schemes. Because what you've been dealing with for too long, you need to stand against it. What you've been experiencing, you need to stand against it. What has been tormenting you, you need to stand against it. What has been oppressing you, you need to stand against it. What has been causing anxiety and fear, you need to stand up against it. You don't just ignore it, you resist it. And you let the devil know, not today. Not today. In Matthew chapter 4, as we draw this to a close, Jesus goes from the euphoria of the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove resting on his shoulder and the voice of heaven saying, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. He is like, you don't get a better moment than that. And then he is led immediately to the wilderness where he has 40 days of testing and tempting by the devil. He is hungry and he is tired like any human would be after 40 days. And the devil is susceptible to the vulnerability of us. He prowls, he watches, he crouches and he sees a vulnerability and he's looking for cracks inside Jesus to think, is there any way that I can not get him to do stuff but lead him away from where he should be? And he is tired and he is hungry and for all specific, I can only speak to guys because that's all I've ever been. <laughs> but if you are tired, and you are hungry, and you are bored, and you are alone, that can often be a lethal combination. And you have to stand in opposition to it. 
And Jesus, you have to do what Jesus does. And he has a conversation with the devil. He says, as the devil says, why don't you turn this stone into bread? And Jesus says, it is written, man shall not live, but you know, by lip and live by every bread. And then he tries to do the second thing. And he says, why Jesus, why don't you jump off this mountain? And then the angels will, you know, will come to you and, and look after you and protect you. And Jesus says, it is written, I shall not do that. And then the third time the enemy comes along and says, you know why? I'll give you all of these kingdoms. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus responds, I will, you know, I will only serve the living God. Starts quoting Old Testament scripture to the devil in this time. It is written, it is written, it is written as Jesus is tempted with his pain and his pride and his power. And the devil says this, if you are the son of God. And the second time, if you are the son of God. Third time, if you are, if you are, if you are. And then he says, if you will, because what the devil navigates is around uncertainty. He navigates and just floats around uncertainty of if, if you ever got this, if you ever had the opportunity, if you ever tried this, if. But Jesus responds not with uncertainty, but Jesus responds with truth. It is written. It is written. It is written as the father of lies versus the father of truth come into this contest. And the truth always exposes and defeats the lie. You can be in court and you can see lie after lie after lie. But when one piece of evidence of truth comes on, it is case dismissed because the truth always wins. And Jesus responds to the devil. I've always been taught from a young age, don't communicate with the devil. Don't correspond with the devil. Just just ignore him. Just walk away. Just walk away. But the Bible says Jesus three times answers the devil. And I want to say something today. It might be controversial, but I think the devil needs answering. He doesn't need a conversation, but he needs answering. When you're tempted, when the thought comes, when that emotion hits, when that conversation starts happening, whatever it is, it needs a conversation, it needs needs an answer. Let the devil know, not today. PPI, not today. Door salesman, not today. Be abrupt with them as you are with the devil. And answer him, let the devil know, not today. Because if there is a school bully, as the school bully keeps bullying and peppering and peppering and peppering, you can try and ignore and hopefully they'll stop it. And that is often a tactic that is used and that might work. But there is nothing greater than standing up in opposition to the school bully and say, don't you dare ever say that to me again. Don't you dare ever go to that person again. I'm standing in opposition to you. And if that doesn't work, a right hook might work a little bit better. I'm not encouraging violence. But sometimes you've got to do what it takes to stand in opposition to the bully in your world. Don't just put your fingers in your ear and hopefully it will go away. Stand in opposition with the truth of God's word. Then the devil left him. And the angels attended to him. But my favorite part is the next verse. Jesus has those 40 days. The next passage is titled, Jesus begins to preach. (laughs) Jesus begins to preach. Why? Because there is always a new chapter of purpose. There is always a new chapter of energy and calling when you win this fight because you leave in a place of authority and you think I can now preach with a great level of authority why because I've defeated over there I can now lead with an authority why because I've overcome have you ever been there where you've been tempted and you don't give into it and you walk away how strong do you feel (laughs) come on 
Jesus begins to preach? What are you going to begin to do as a result of your standing in opposition to the devil as you resist the devil and he flees from you? Hey, I'm so glad that we had this time together. And now we are praying that you get busy following Jesus, making a difference in your world. And we want to invite you, come visit us in one of our four campuses, Bradford, Leeds, Belfast, or Warsaw, Poland. And we would love to see you soon. In these moments, these unseen, uncelebrated, silent moments, ground is taken, battles are won, life is formed. Through the seemingly insignificant times, what you stand on is discovered, who you are is developed, and what you believe is shaped. Men, fathers, friends, husbands are made. In the shadows, backstage, before the sunrise, in your soul, this is where you win. Hope is found in these moments. Meaning is made in the stand. Stand and fight the good fight of the faith. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more information about Life Church, check out the website, lifechurchhome.com.